Thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. With me, as always, your co-host, my co-pilot for today, Kirk. Hello, hello. I don't How's know. Going? We're going to learn in a little bit here if I'm grabbing the right kind of wheel, if it's this, if it's just the the stick. I'm not uh, an expert, little... but it looks right. It looks right. It feels right <laughs> to me. Uh, we'll find out. But uh, I'm your other co-host, Cam. And as Kirk's alluding to, we're going to be talking a little bit more about Top Gun Maverick today because it is the biggest film of the summer. No doubt. It already is. Um, sure, that may change from a box office perspective in a couple of days uh, when, when Jurassic World Dominion hits theaters. Uh, Kirk and I do have a review that we'll be recording later tonight. Date of recording today is June 9th. So uh, we'll be releasing this episode next week. But the biggest movie of the summer so far has been Top Gun Maverick. There's no doubt about it. This is a film that has been well-received by critics, well-received by us. Um, the A-plus on cinema score, 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. We gave it high scores. We loved it. Massive box office numbers. And we just wanted to dive a little bit deeper into it. So today, for something completely different and something we hope to be doing a lot more of here in the, uh, in the near future, we have a subject matter expert on the podcast with us today, Kirk. And that is Mike Hurd, who is a uh, retired Air Force uh, sergeant and fighter jet maintainer. So we're going to bring him in. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thanks for being by here. Way, by the way, if you're going to fighter jet, it's a stick. It's a stick. It's a stick. Okay. And there you go. Back, and if you're in the backseat of a naval, if you're a naval aviator and you're in the backseat, you're a wizzo, you have no stick. Ooh. See, that's, that's, that's scary because I'm a control freak. I often feel like, I, like if, if we're in a car, I want to be the one driving the car. And even though I don't know how to fly an airplane, I feel like when I'm in an airplane, I wish that I was at the sticks. I really do. They're not, they're not flyers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, the backseater is not a flyer. Right. He's just a weapons systems officer. So. Right. I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to just jump in there. And no, know. I love it. I Please love it. do. That's what we're here for. Um, so, yeah, Mike, thanks for being here. Uh obviously want to get into your background and your expertise and talk a little bit about Top Gun. We're going to get into the movie a little bit. Definitely want to hear how you feel about the movie, but we'll get to that at the end. Okay. But first, uh, Kirk, you want to kick us off with uh, a couple of questions for Mike? I do. So the primary jets used in this, the things that are flying through the air, crazy acrobatics, Tom Cruise is just a beast in these, are the F-18s. What can you, with your extreme expertise tell us about this aircraft that's a navy jet <laughs> how's that <laughs> that's it actually, next question actually actually those are pretty actually the, what you saw was the super hornet uh so the, the new super hornet uh they came online uh accepted by the navy and i think they flew on the uss uh, abraham lincoln uh in 2001 so the the what they did was they took an amazing jet uh the, uh, the F-18, and made it better. Uh, so it's 20% bigger than the previous jet. It carries 30% more fuel. It uh, has 41% more range. And it also has 50% more loitering time. Now, I can say, okay, Mike, what is loitering time? Okay, you know, you, you, know, you ever see the signs say no loitering? Okay, yeah. I mean, just like hanging around. So they had the capability just to fly around the, the, the best aircraft to do that is, is an A-10. Because it's, it's, they provide combat support for, uh, for military operations, take out tanks, and 
provide close air support, firepower uh, for troops on the ground. Okay. So they can do the same thing. They can loiter like 50%, which is several amount of time for, for a jet that has two engines in it like this. Um, think about this. This is an aircraft that has to uh, be catapulted because it weighs you know, probably, uh, think of uh, a bus. You know, just I mean, just a regular bus. One of these metro buses driving around down here. It can throw that bus six miles. That's how much force it takes. Those guys are getting about four Gs when they take off. Wow. So you're, you're, that means your body is four times. Think about your, what you weigh and what that four times that would be. Just taking off off of an aircraft carrier, okay? So it just throws you into the air. They're full afterburner. Uh, they're burning fuel. They're taking off, and they're flying fast. Uh, a lot of times what they'll do is after they take off, they'll refuel. They'll hit a, they'll hit a tanker, and then they'll go do their mission. Unless they're just doing combat support around the aircraft, because that's what they do. And I'll talk a little bit about that later if you want to know a little bit more about carrier groups. An aircraft carrier doesn't just go out there by itself. They have massive protection under the water and on, on the surface and in the air. Think of them as the fourth largest air force in the world. Each one of them. Each one of the 11, each one of the 11 aircraft carriers we have, is the fourth largest air force in the world. Wow. Yeah, and the aircraft carrier featured in this movie was in, it, it is an active aircraft carrier, right? This was the USS Theodore Roosevelt, is that right? Yep, Theodore Roosevelt, mm-hmm. And so did they have to have, you know, when they're filming, would they have had to have some of those same support groups in place Absolutely. just for, for precautions? Absolutely. They never go alone. I mean, you're always under threat. It doesn't matter if you're in U.S. waters or not. There's always a carrier group with those with those. Uh, uh, it's, just, it's called SOP, Standard Operating Procedures. You know, uh, for, for instance, you know, whenever they, they were flying into the enemy territory, and you know the, all the F-18s were flying into enemy territory, and you saw the Tomahawk missiles take off. Yeah, well, those were launched from from uh, uh, cruiser ships that have. That's what they do. They primarily carry cruise missiles, so they'll launch them out and they'll go out. I will tell you the cruise missiles, they're subsonic, uh, so they probably what they probably did. They that was kind of cool. They showed them flying. That was one of my favorite scenes, by the way, was the cruise missiles flying over top of the of the. Uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Now, what they did was, you know, I mean, all that stuff is depicted correctly, and they all have the uh, those ships surrounding them. And, and and during the filming, they did that as well. Um, I did send a little something to uh, to Kirk, telling him how much it costs to operate uh, a ship, one aircraft carrier a day. It's, uh, it's probably more than that now, $16 million a day. Whoa. A day. A day. Multiply that times how much time they are out on the ocean. Incredible. That that absolutely blows my mind. I mean, is there a way that I could purchase somehow with a large sum of money the 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 jet and then have it operated, but like get money paid back to me? Like, how can I be an investor in this to gain money from this? Is that possible? You already are. You're probably? a taxpayer. Ah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Perfect. So and I, I, own I appreciate you guys, and, and I appreciate you guys working because I, uh, I work for the government. I'm retired from the the military one time over. There you go. (laughs) Keep working guys. Keep working. (laughs) No doubt. No doubt. I have, I have another question about the planes uh, or or the jets in this one. So in the first top gun movie, it seemed, and and I think they were 
presumably, you know, it was 36 years ago. So presumably different jets that were being used then. But F-14s. it seemed like everybody in the F-14s, which is actually the, the jet that they used at the very end of this movie too, which was right? awesome, by the way. <laughs> that was a great scene. But yeah. all of those... Not true, but... <laughs> sure. <laughs> Technically, he could do it. I mean, you know, like, like he said, like Rooster said, you know, do some of that crazy pilot stuff. You know, you keep stop thinking and do some of that crazy pilot stuff. Yep, that's what he did. It is taken outside the box. So, and what what I find interesting is that those jets all seem to have uh, an engineer, right? And the F-18s that we saw in this movie, it seemed like there were some that had engineers in the back um, who were not at the sticks, you know, just working the plane. So, so what? What's Are the difference? You talking about the guy in the? Seat? Yeah, in the back seat. Okay, that's the weapons systems officer. Okay, and so and, and why then, is it that some jets in this movie or, or in general have a weapons systems officer and some don't? Is it just the type of payload that they carry or? Yes. Okay. It's okay. So you have, l- let me go back a little bit further in time here and, and tell you a little bit how all this came about. So they used to have growlers and predators, okay? Um, and these were A6s. They weren't ACs. They were another craft. I can't think of the proper name right now. But the, okay. so the Prowler had four crew members, a pilot, co-pilot, weapons systems operator, and a def- an offensive and defensive system operator. Okay, so get The two guys from the back seat. They didn't have a stick with them, but they did all those different weapon systems. Then the other two guys who drew the, drew the Predator had the weapons on the aircraft itself, and they would fire the weapons in there. Kind of the rules are different because they've consolidated uh, and and simplified the ability of a pilot to do all these things. You know, with everything is is you know right there in front of them. Uh, it's and and to be honest with you, pilots learn. They they actually learn this blindfold, like where the buttons are, where the you know where the switches are, where the circuit breakers are, things like that. Those are all things that because you do it so often, it's just become second nature. So to answer your question is. It depends on the role of the aircraft, okay? Like they have, they're called fighter attack aircraft. Now, fighter aircraft just goes in and fights, but a fighter attack aircraft can do these a multi-role aircraft. They're all multi-role aircrafts, but uh, you have a backseater like that. He's the one who, like, locked the, the, um, the radar or the laser in there. Uh, laser pointer. Yes. Yep. The advanced laser pointer. Like you know the little laser pointer you guys use. Well, they have those, but they're like in different spectrum. You can't see, but the weapon can see it. The so people can't see them and shoot the guy pointing the, the laser. Mm-hmm. The Air Force calls them sniper pods, and uh, they have them mounted on all almost all their aircraft now. And so the pilot can designate a target himself, whatever he wants to shoot on the ground or uh, yeah, yeah, normally on the ground, and he can drop that weapon and follow that dot and then lock onto it. I mean, you saw how that thing, like it rotated around mm-hmm. like a yeah, crazy yeah. head, like a snake or something, or like an owl. Yep. So that's what they do. And then points that designator on there. And then that falls it right in there and strike. That's why there's once what we're, we're the best at precision guided weapons is because of that fact right there. And GPS, which we do that as well. 
Wow. Too much? Sorry. No, no, no it's perfect. I'm in awe, honestly. <laughs> and I think I'm, what I'm stuck on also is that you said that you get trained learning this blindfolded. Uh, I mean, I can, I stub my toe w- with all the lights on. So I'm trying to think like with the, the everything blinded, sensory just deprivation and knowing where all the tools are. But you absolutely would need to know that because as we see some of our, our heroes in this movie, you know, mm-hmm. the missiles blow and the fog comes over and they can't see anything, right? So yep. they've got to know any instant exactly where everything is that's so impressive to me so you really got to trust you know they call it uh, you know there's, there's visual flight rules and there's instrument flight rules okay? so you really got to learn how to fly with just instruments uh i'm gonna i'm gonna throw you another aircraft in here back in the old b-52 days uh my friends worked b-52s and they were on standby for to launch and go fire nukes off into russia and so they uh what they did was they had, uh, they blinded the cockpit. They, they had shields or, you know, like curtains. They would put these curtains in there and they had to use the infrared on the front of the aircraft to take the aircraft down to the inner runway and take off with that infrared. They had to trust the infrared camera and their instruments to be able to take off because they were, you know, they didn't want to be blinded by the flash of a, of a nuke going off. So that's, that's the kind of thing that, you know, people take for granted you know, you know, they're like, oh, these guys get paid too much to fly airplanes. So no, they don't because yeah, not, not an easy task. <laughs> no. no way. No, it kind of no. you know the stakes are a little bit high. You know that there's that factor too, right? Yeah, they're extremely high. <laughs> yeah, like, it is. It, it 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 is life or death. So. Right. So when Miles, I, here, let's get into the movie a little bit. So <laughs> when, when Miles Teller's rooster takes a blind shot at the end because the indicator is malfunctioning on the other jet, is that is that what he accomplished, is that possible? Yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Cause, cause I thought that know, was just insanely cool. He was like, we're out of time. I got to shoot it blind and just nails the target. I was like, yeah. I was blown away. Yeah. Because I mean, again, you got to trust your, you know, trust your instincts. I mean, those guys think about the repetition. They do this over and over again. And it's not like the very first time they've ever done it. You know, you know how like you go in, you play the little arcade game where you go in there with a little claw and you go, you know, you, and after you've done it like 20 times, you can go in there and grab it, whatever. But you, you know, you get a feel for how the instrument works. Same way with an aircraft. I mean, those guys, they fly in, they practice. Uh, back in my day, I just did a lot, a lot of things, did something called dive toss. So with dive tosses, they had these, this is before precision guided weapons, okay? Mm-hmm. They would take an aircraft, they would fly it right at the target, they would release the weapons, and then they would fly away. And those weapons would continue that way because just, just sheer inertia and the fact that that's where they release them, going that way. And so think about the trust, you know, that you have to have and the ability to guide that aircraft straight at the target and then go new exactly when you have to release the weapon and pull out. Yeah, pretty I love amazing. That. I, I think that leads us right into... My next question, which I think a lot of people always wonder, like this was such a fun ride. This movie was absolutely obviously we know the training that went into it with the actors, but we also know that when movies come out, there are some creative liberties sometimes. So are there any moments in the movie, some aerial moves that would not be allowed illegal moves uh, or are impossible to execute with this type of jet? Do you you see any of that in the movie? (sighs) a lot of it but i tried to i tried to hollywood it was you know there's a lot of hollywood in life and a lot of that and and the fact that uh, so you have guys that are over g in the aircraft right they're just like 
full NATO 9Gs. Now, the aircraft's designed to do that. That's exactly what it does. And, it will, and like, for instance, an F-16 will not let you over-G the aircraft. But you can do the stick, and it can fly. But once you get to 9Gs, it, it stops. It won't let you do any more uh, uh, 9Gs. So, uh, you know, I'm not – I have seen – the F-18s, the, the Super Hornets is like this. I've seen the Blue Angels do that Cobra maneuver, you know, where they go full up straight, and that's because they can suck in as much air as they want. That's that's the that's a problem the, with a lot of jets is if they were to try that maneuver, they would stall. That means they wouldn't have enough air coming into the engine, and they would just flame out. But that's that's a problem. <laughs> uh, yep. So those guys, that that was that was very highly likely. They do do that. They can do that, and it is a it's a daredevil move, uh, but they would do, they would be able to do that. Um, like pulling, like you would not purposely want to like destroy your aircraft by overgeing it. I have done inspections on aircraft that overgeed. Uh, there's a lot of bent stuff and broke stuff on the inside of the jet that you wouldn't imagine. You can break. As a matter of fact, it's pretty risky because you can break the engine mounts on the aircraft, and the engine can just like come and just break uh, break away. It's held in place by bolts, but it can still break away and then start sucking in all this metal and then things are even worse than getting shot at because now you're being shot at by your engine. I mean, it can come apart and kill you and blow up your fuel because it's surrounded by fuel. You know, in between those engines, okay, is our fuel cells sitting in there between that fuselage. That fuselage is just not an empty, empty airframe. It's just not empty like you can walk inside it. They have bladder tanks inside there full of fuel, jet fuel. So think about this. Engine comes apart and it goes through those fuel cells and they blow up. Because it's they're hot. Number one, it's hot, which is what right. it takes. Hot, fuel, air, boom. Yeah. Yikes. That, scary. And now you guys are like going, scary. I will never fly again. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm about to go uh, cancel my uh, Delta flight here. So, no, so but... So when I fly, I close the window because I don't want to see what the air crew's doing on, before we take off. Good to know. That's a that's a good tip. Luckily, I have no idea what I'm looking at whenever I look out the window. So I just... do, and it frightens me. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! I'm sorry, but no, that's fine. I am. But it does make me wonder. You know, there were actors. You know, untrained, like somewhat trained professionals uh, flying these actors. I mean. The professionals flying the actors around were obviously the real deal, but the actors yeah. had been trained for a month by Tom Cruise and by yeah. professional jet fighter jet pilots. What you know, they're obviously not flying the jets because that takes years and years of training and tons yeah. of expertise. But the experience that they're going through is very intense. You the G forces and everything else. Like how amazing of a feat is it that they were able to get these people from off the couch to fighter jet ready in the time that they did well they're passengers number one right <laughs> i've been a passenger in the back of an f4 twice and got to fly supersonic and got, i actually got to fly a little bit and uh so wow. i i've had you know I, and i was a young 22 23 year old guy uh at, at the fly in the back of these jets you know, and we did supersonic and, and, and uh, we did touch and goes and missed approaches, all these things that those guys did, you know, and fly and, you know, do loops and all that crap like that, all the things that they get to do. So, you know, here I was just a 20 some year old young guy 
maintenance guy. I got to do that. And they actually went through the proper training. You know, the, they did like the crash course. You know, they had to do the water survival. Like what happens if you go in the water? Mm-hmm. And that's pretty, you think about it. I, I mean, I don't know how many people are like not scared of water, but I know a lot of people that can swim. That, Terrifying. That, that had panicked being found in there with a seatbelt turned upside down the water and then you have to get yourself out of there, hold your breath the whole time where you're doing it, do all these things. So those I, my hats off to them for what they had to do. Uh, so that was, that was pretty, pretty intense and pretty fascinating that those, uh, those men and women were able to do that. But I'm not surprised. I mean, it's really, it's a mental attitude. It's a mental thing. If you can say, I can, I can do this, you know, and you may fail a couple of times, but you say, I can do this. And that's what they did. They, force themselves to do it yeah pretty amazing Absolutely. so I, my hats off to them because yeah that's me well i think a lot of people you know and, and it's because of the you know the vicious cycle that is the internet these days a lot of people they in the rumor mill thought these people were flying the fighter jets and i you know no. i was like that's insane there's no way and, and so i researched it more but i think when when some people hear that they didn't fly they're like uh you know anybody could do that but i i mean you're talking pulling tons of G's and doing the kinds of things that they are, are doing, that's got to still be pretty intense, especially, you know, yeah. being prepared for emergencies and things like that, like that, that's scary stuff. Yeah. And, and actually the, they said that Cruz wanted to make sure that it was very realistic. He wanted, he, he goes, this was like a, he said, this is like a love letter to aviators. And he wanted yeah. to go out there and, 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 you know, really show because he wanted to reflect in their faces, you know, the, the sheer weight what it takes to be a fighter pilot that, I mean, cause it does, I mean, it feels like you're pulling your skin off your face when you're like that. And, and, uh, it's, it's not what you think. It's not, not a fun and games being a fighter, fighter ducky. Those guys, you know, they're cocky for a reason. <laughs> you know, they yeah. really are. You gotta and, have and the you killer instinct. Yeah. I, I like that. Cause that's what you want. You want cocky, arrogant guys like Maverick, you know, to be on your side. Right. You want them on the other guy's side. You want them on your side. So Fearless. I, I can appreciate it. Yeah. I, I, I have stories sitting in, you know, in a room with fighter pilots and uh, they're pretty merciless on each other. <laughs> when, you, when you went supersonic, what, how many G's were, did, does that pull again when you were? Well, you know, the- really, it just depends on, you know, like what, what, here's what we had to do. Cause I worked, I was in an older fighter jet. Like I was an F4, like they're like the third generation. You know, okay. Ask me about the generations. Well, they're third generation because of the advanced electronics, radar packages, the fact that use the radar to lock on. So, but there was really no sensation. I mean, I like I think I had like a little one of those little one ten cameras. Like I took all kinds of pictures and stuff. Oh, cool. You could see the on the edge of the of the intake, you could see like a you know like a it was like a haze or something like that. That was about it. He goes, okay. He goes, okay, Sergeant Hurd, we're going 1.1 Mach. And I, all right, cool. I go, okay, this feels like we're going fast in the air. (laughs) (laughs) So, but, but, you know, I get to do it several times. I'm I'm maybe one of the few enlisted guys you've ever met that's got to fly supersonic. That's so cool. cool. Yeah, that was, that was pretty amazing. That's one of my little, like, interesting facts you don't know about me. I got to fly supersonic different times yeah it's good that for the good for the uh dinner parties good for the icebreakers it uh, is it's a lot of fun <laughs> so you mentioned you mentioned wanting to have you know wanting to have these arrogant guys on your side well let's talk about the other side because there is a as they often do in in military movies there is a sort of 
rogue nation, an unnamed enemy yeah. that's in this movie, but they have jets that they continuously refer to as fifth generation jets mm. that are that are more powerful than the F-18s. So based on what you saw True. in the movie, is there a comp for what those jets that they're describing are? Like, is there something that is similar out there? So I'll give you some really good examples of real world aircraft, okay? So the United States, we're like leading edge when it comes to fifth generation stuff. Uh, there's really nothing that can touch the F-22. Okay. Uh, and and then the F-35, the newest version of that, another fifth generation aircraft. Um, the Russians are trying to build a fifth generation aircraft. It's called the Su-57 Felon. That's what you really saw in the movie. That was a fifth generation aircraft. Um, and then uh, the uh, the what's the one? What's the one the Chinese have? The J-20. I wrote I wrote these down. See, I have my little cheating I love it. Here. So because I wanted to make sure that whenever you ask me these questions, I had good answers. Um, so they're they're just copies of what we have. Basically, you know, we're pretty leading edge in all this stuff. Uh, when it comes to the uh, uh, fiber uh, that that we use, carbon fiber that we use to build the aircraft, uh, you know, we're unparalleled with that. They can copy all they want, but they don't have uh, that technology to be able to build those kind of aircraft. Uh, a few years ago, I got to go to like a rocket factory uh, out in Maryland, uh, part of my job. I got to see how they do that. They wind, they, they take this carbon fiber and they wind it. And that's how they make the frame of the rocket itself. You know, the outside of it, it's a carbon fiber because there's a lot of struts on it, like metal would break, and you know. Uh, but this doesn't, it's, it's just got such a high tensile strength. And so our aircraft are made uh, of these carbon fiber, like, pretty interesting and you really don't want to get them stuck in your finger because I used to work when I was running the F-16 crew chief program I had guys that worked on the F-117s and so they were telling me stories about like getting uh, you know those carbon they had to go in there and they had to surgically remove those little carbon fibers from their fingers they said it hurt like a razor it never stopped hurting it was like a like a razor blade in your finger it was just a little fiber so you can imagine how much fun that was so uh so, so, the, so those there truly are about four fifth generation aircraft, and they just have advanced electronics, flight ability of the aircraft. Well, you saw some of the maneuvers that you know the um, what do they call that? It's not the Cobra maneuver, but it's kind of like a like it's kind of like flying flat like a leaf, yes. just like twisting. Yeah, yeah that, that was that, cool. That move right there. Yeah, that, those are actual moves that aircraft that they can do maneuver, and that's because they have what's called thrust vectoring. Um, thrust vectoring is when the nozzles of the exhaust, it actually, it'll, they'll turn down or they'll move to the side like this. So like when they're flying like that, they're not, not moving the flight controls, they're moving the, the uh, thrust on the, on the back of the aircraft, it's turning one way or the other. So the aircraft itself looks like, like it just turns like that, just like that. That's really cool. More, more stuff that you're like, wow, how do you even know that? That's yeah, that's that's but, awesome. You know, it's it's, super impressive. I'd love super to keep. I, you know, they say if you stop learning, you just get stupid. I don't want to get stupid. I Absolutely, wanna, I, keep, I keep learning, and I love this stuff. And you know, as, as aircraft advance, I love to watch. And that, that movie was just like I said. I just really enjoyed it. You know, I go some of the stuff. I'm like going, nah. I will tell you one of my favorite parts. Yeah, where he took off in the in the F-14. 
mm-hmm. the end of runway or on the taxiway. He says, you do know we're on taxiway, right? He says, just let's go because I'm going to yeah. go for it. And that was, that was pretty awesome. Although I'm not sure he could actually make it because of the age of the aircraft and just different things. He did knock the nose land gear off, by the way. I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, I, told my, I told my wife, it says, they're going to have to crash land on the carrier. Yeah. And I said, she goes, I go, trust me. It's part of the, it's part of the plot. And then, uh, you know, that was, and then the P 51, you know, yes, that, that, you know, I just, I just had like this, you know, place in my heart for these old aircraft. Like the P 51 was just this amazing, amazing aircraft. You know, it's just too bad. It came at the end of the war and not earlier. It was just, it's just a beautiful aircraft. And I just love the sound of it. I mean, it's just, some things, you know, a crew chief just never stops loving. And that's one of them. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and that's actually Tom Cruise's personal jet. It that, is. That one. That's that's pretty cool. Uh, the fact that mm. he, you know, you, you have to respect that about Tom Cruise, that he really walks the walk with the roles that he's in. He does the stunts. He mm. flies the planes. You know, he, do, he does, he knows what he's what he's doing. So that's that's really cool. A little, little bit upset he didn't get to buzz the tower one last time there, I was, I was waiting for that moment. I was like, come on, give it. I mean, he kind of did, but he didn't request it. That that's, yeah, he did buzz the the admirals. Yeah. Yeah. At the very end, I just wanted, I wanted them to be, uh, this is Maverick requesting permission to buzz the tower. (laughs) (laughs) Permission denied. You know, that's, that's what I wanted, but it was, uh, it was great. Yes. I mean, it really was one of the best finales of a movie. And just when you think of it, that the finale is over, you know, they, they've done that part and, you know, Maverick crashes and goes, right. goes down in flames. You think, okay, they're going to wind this down. Nope. Here comes finale part two. And it's, it's rooster and Maverick trying to get out of enemy territory. Yeah. Uh, really cool. Well, Mike, thanks so much for being here. Uh, we learned a lot. I'm going to go back and listen to this probably three times so that I can really impress my parents when I take them to see the movie this weekend. <laughs> so don't tell anybody but it's been, okay. it's been great having you and uh, appreciate you sharing your expertise with us. Well, thank you for asking me. And I hope I didn't bore you too much with all the details. Impossible. No, no. Yeah. This is going to be one of our most downloaded episodes. I feel like no this is just, people want this. We'll They're see. craving this information and uh, we're just so thankful to have you. So thanks again. We appreciate you. Well, I really appreciate the fact that you guys asked me to do this because uh, again, there's nothing better. I like to do, about, you know, at aircraft. Yeah. Best of both worlds. Talking about aircraft, talking about movies. We yeah. love it. Thanks again, Mike. We'll talk to you I later. Loved it. Thank you. I appreciate it, guys. Alrighty. Bye. All right. And that's uh retired Air Force Sergeant and fighter jet maintenance. Uh Mike Hurd, uh, the expert here with us on Popcorn for Breakfast. That was awesome, Kirk. We have to do more of that. We have to. Oh yeah. Just this is groundbreaking because he's our first official special guest on our episode. Um, and I would never think that we would have that kind of access to such an expert, uh, and ever think that the movie world would connect with the real world with the military. It's absolutely phenomenal. The one question I wish we'd have asked him is if how regular are those volleyball games, those shirtless volleyball games, the beach football, the beach volleyball, it seems pretty frequent, right? Right. Like every weekend, probably like it's volleyball time. Let's go. Hey, I mean, if you believe what you see in the movies, uh, you know, you can't really deny that, but Top Gun Maverick will undoubtedly remain the movie of the summer until some, somebody knocks it off that throne. And so far there's no contest. So 
Go out and see it if you haven't already. There were light spoilers in this episode. We'll be sure to flag that. But um, that's on you for not seeing the best movie of the summer so far. If you get right. spoiled, I mean, you've had you've had three weeks at this point. You got to get after it. Um, I'll be going to see it again this weekend. But until next time, want to thank you guys so much for listening. Want to give a special. Thank you to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, as well as the band Rhetoric, who created our original music. And uh, we'll be signing off. Permission to buzz the tower, Kirk? Permission granted. Let's go! Let's go!